If you will, turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 2, very first book of the Bible. Should be pretty simple for you to find. Uh, I think Keith even found it, looks like. So just uh, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Uh, and we're going to continue our, or we're starting, well, we're kind of doing both, <laughs> our series on Lent. For those of you that aren't aware, Lent is uh, L-E-N-T. Lent is the, the, the six weeks that leading up to uh, Easter, as I was talking about. But this past Wednesday, we actually started this series. Started on Wednesday night. Uh, it sounds a little different, but it was because it was Ash Wednesday. Some of you may have seen the video we put out and explaining why that is. But um, uh, basically, there's 40 days of Lent that we, we where we intend to take something that is prevalent in our life and we put that aside <clears throat> so that it reminds us uh, every time we think of it, it uh, that we need to thank God for who he is, what he's done for us, and recognize why he needed to do that. So, um, for instance, um, some may, you may think it's silly, but uh, I gave up Diet Coke for Lent. And if you drink Diet Coke on a regular basis, you'll understand what I mean. The rest of you don't have no clue. Uh, but it is, uh, it's not, the, the purpose is every time I, Diet Coke is a habit in my life. I drink them all day long. Uh, and so every time I go to get one, I think, oh, I can't do that for 40 days. Uh, so I must, um, and the reason I can't do that is it's Lent. See, it's just that reminder. It's Lent. And, and, and it's reminding me that Easter's coming. And I need to be focusing on my life with Christ, who he was, what he did for me, and why he had to do that. So it brings me back to my sin. It, it, it keeps, and you say, oh, that's negative. Well, yeah, sin's pretty negative. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't really know how to make that sound good. Because uh, it's not. But we need to understand that sin is, is, is real um, and so that we avoid it. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, several things leading up uh, to Easter, but everything from now till Easter is going to be about Lent and focusing on what Jesus did. So today we, we're going to begin, where, where, do we, where do we begin? In the beginning, right? I mean, we go back to the beginning. Why was why is Easter? Easter is the end. Okay, that's what we're marching toward. Jesus raising uh, in the in the from the dead. So why did any of that have to take place? What's the purpose of it? You know, was there a reason for it? Have you ever wondered why good things or why bad things happen to good people? It's because sin. We're going to talk about it today is the fall. Have you ever heard of the fall? I'm not talking about you know uh, yeah. I'm not talking about the season where. The, Trees change colors. Talking about the fall of man. Have you heard of the fall? You know what that is? Uh, well, the fall of man is where Jesus put us in a place, the mankind, in the garden. We're going to read here in just a moment. And we fell from his grace by sin. So we're going to talk about that. That's where it all begins. So we must begin there, you know? So um, <clears throat> you, you ever heard that? How many of you remember the commercial, help, I've fallen and I can't get up? <laughs> you know what's crazy? We laugh. We just, I mean, it is funny. 
It wasn't intended to be. <laughs> I mean, the people who wrote that, that, that original commercial, uh, I mean, they did not intend for it to be funny. It's not a laughing matter. I mean, but it, what, the way they did it, it was kind of funny. Right? And there's all kind of memes and everything, you know, about that. But <clears throat> I want you to recognize this morning, it's a serious subject in our lives that we've fallen. And we can't get up without some help. You, you, if you're here today and you think you're going to work your way into heaven, you think you're going to be good enough, better than the other person, beat somebody else out of the race or whatever and get there, it doesn't work that way. I'll share with you real quickly. Uh, I won't, I won't, I'll spare all the details that are gory, but when I was a young investigator, I, I worked a case one time where an, an older lady, uh, when they called, said it was an older lady that was that passed away in her home. Uh, and, and so I, I go, and uh, it was obvious she'd been there for some time. She was in her kitchen, um, lying on the floor on her back with her hands crossed over her chest. Um, it, it was obvious that she knew at some point, this is it, she crossed her hands over her chest and went to sleep. Now here's the thing. The fall didn't kill her. Nobody helping her up killed her. That's the sad part. She laid there alone and died in her home. She was on oxygen. She required oxygen, and her oxygen lead wouldn't fit all the way to the place where she her final resting place was. So she, she, that was the one place that she had a lead that would go all over the house except for right there. So she laid there without her oxygen. Nobody to help her and die. Now, here's the thing. They're all so sad. What in the world? Why do you... It's such a picture. I didn't recognize this then. I was dumb. Uh, you know, but it's such a picture of the state we're in. She literally has started decaying. We've fallen by our own inability to walk we've fallen and without somebody coming along and helping us up we're going to lie there and rot now here's the good thing there's hope for us Jesus is saying I'll help you up I'll help you I'll take care of all of this for you what kind of why would we just lay there and say no 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 I'll be alright I'll get up on my own when there's help right there. That's what I hope today before you leave, you'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, I need help. The fall we see in Genesis 2, starting in verse 15, um, verses 15 through 17 says this, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. Now, I want you to see here, understand this is God's plan. This is God's plan. Okay, now, when people say, oh, everything's part of God's plan, we'll talk about that more in a moment. No, no, no. Here, notice right here, here's God's plan. He took man, he put him in a garden, and he intended for him to work. Okay, so, listen. I don't want to get all political, but some we were born to work. God created us to work. Now, um, 
we'll see in a moment there's some things that come along with that work that he didn't plan because of our sin, but he intended all along for us to work in the garden. That was his, his plan. He said, place him there in, in, in the Garden of Eden uh, to work it. Uh, and by the way, that's not a dance move. That's <laughs> what he, he didn't, what he intended for him to do with it, produce from the garden and watch over it. Notice that. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Sounds great, right? That's the part we like. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And for on the day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, here's another thing I want you to get before we go forward. That is the word of God. We see the plan of God is for man to live in bliss. Blissful harmony in the garden forever. No pain, no toil, everything be great. And then he gives him the word of God for him to follow. So listen, as long as we follow the word of God, our life will be perfect. You heard me right. I'm not making no bones about it. Now, we can't do this completely, but for as much as we can, as long as we will follow the word, you see here it is the, the actual words of God spoken to Adam. He said, hey, here's, what you, here's, here's the truth. Don't do this and do this. Okay? Now, watch. In the beginning of time, and all at the start, at the, or at the start of the Bible, we're given this glimpse of God's intention of humanity. In Genesis 1.28, God gives two clear commands. Be fruitful and multiply. That's, that's one, okay. Be fruitful and multiply. It means have children. So, yeah, I knew Greg would amen that. <laughs> he didn't say have a dozen, but that's okay. <laughs> and have dominion over, that is rule, over creation. Okay, so... Look, it, it, God gave, us two, gave two commands here in that verse. He's, he's, be fruitful and multiply. Have, have, have children and rule over this world. You, you be in charge. In Genesis 2, 15 through 17, God clarifies these commands by adding this, this prohibition. That's not what we want to hear, right? We want all the good stuff. Well, listen, there, there has to be some bad. There has, well, it's not bad. There has to be some prohibition. There's some, some safeguards put in place for our own protection. He says, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But, unfortunately, as the story progresses, Adam and Eve quickly fall, or excuse me, fail to keep God's commands in the garden. Every time, listen to me, every time we fail to keep God's word and his commands, there will be trouble in our life. And that's our fault, not his. Notice the failure is what the church has come to refer to as the fall. Read with me Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. It says this. Here's the temptation and the fall. Here's what happens. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to a woman, and by the way, this is, of course, Satan has taken over the serpent. Satan is speaking through the serpent. Did, and, and notice, he says, did God really say you can't eat from the tree of the garden? Now, you will do so well to see here how Satan works. He, as it said, is the most cunning. Satan is the least creative being ever created by God. 
say, what? what do you, look, he's never made anything. God has made everything. What Satan does is he takes what God's already made and he twists it and he turns it just enough to pervert it. So it suits his, and, 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 so, and so that you don't follow scripture or follow his, God's word. And so this is exactly what Satan, notice what Satan's doing here. And, and, and picture this as we read, Satan, correlate Satan with the world. With society, with every, every, every you know, what, what the, the world, everything that's outside of the church. Understand is here, correlate it with Satan. And, and think about that as we read this. Satan said, did, did God really say you can't eat from the tree in the garden? Now, by the way, what did God say? Don't eat from the tree. So the answer is yes. Okay, but Satan's planting a little thought. He's just, he's, just, he's just easing in. This is how he does. It's not a big deal. Satan will walk up to you and say, you know what? You've been following the Lord a long time. It's, I think it's time you go kill somebody. You know, let's go over here and commit murder. He doesn't, he, he doesn't take big things and, uh, and he doesn't come at you with big sins. It's just, just a little thing. He just starts questioning, getting you to question God's word. That's what it is. See, it's not, it's not saying, hey, the fact is God said you shouldn't do that. But, but you know what? It'd be fun. That's not how he comes at you so much as it is. Did God really say that? Here's the thing. If this stops being the authority of our life, if we start saying this isn't 100% correct, then we are done. There was a, there was a, called, uh, there was, there was a great resurgence within the Southern Baptist Convention back in the 80s, I guess it was, where there was some liberals trying to take over our convention. And, and here's what they were saying. They were saying, this is mostly right. But, you know, there's some room to play in it. No, 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 no. Every period in this is, is right. Every word is right. In its original translation, every word in this scripture is absolute authority word of God. And we cannot begin to question it whatsoever. And when Satan comes to us with this one statement of, did God really say that? You better stand up and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Because there's trouble coming right behind it. He's leading you to a great and mighty fall that's going to create great consequences we're going to see in a minute. Now, but here's what I want you to get to the beginning. Let's get to the source. Right here it is. Did God really say that? He's just creating a little doubt. Just a little doubt. That's all he needs. Notice what happens. You can't eat from any... Did he say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, is Satan says, no, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, now watch how Satan takes God's words and just twists them enough to where they meet his what he wants. It says, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened. There's, there's some truth there, right? And you will be like God. There's some truth there in that. Notice what he says, knowing good and evil. But see, what, what Eve heard is what? 
you'll be like God. That's all you've heard. All that other was kind of backing up what she wanted to hear. What she wanted to hear is, I'll be like God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pride. I submit pride is the original sin. Then we're going to see it acted out by eating of the fruit. But pride is the original sin. Pride is what welled up inside her when, and that's what, notice Satan just slipped that little bit in there. He just, he just slipped it in there with some truth to cover it up. So she would, she would hear the pride part and, and, and just jump on it and watch. The woman saw the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. Ladies, just because it's delightful to look at. Hmm. <laughs> Be careful. And that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. That sounds good, doesn't it? See how we can take that and say, oh, yeah, hey, she's going to gain wisdom. Mm. What did God, here's, here's what you always go back to. What, doesn't it sound good? Doesn't it sound good? Right? But here's, here's the problem. Go back to what did God say? So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. Mm -mm. Men, what'd you say? Women, women, it's their fault, right? It's their fault. We wouldn't even be in all this mess right now if she hadn't have taken the fruit. We're going to hear Adam say that in a moment, in a little bit. So, see, notice this. Let's back up, though, and, and, and notice again what it says. It says, says, she also gave some fruit to her husband who was with her and ate it. Man, let me tell you something. It ain't Eve's fault. I blame man more than I do Eve. Who, is it, who did God place in the garden and tell to work over the garden and to have dominion over it? Man. He said, I'm going to create woman for what? Go back and read. It says there's a helpmate. Listen. God didn't give you your wife as a playmate. He gave her to you as a helpmate, and he put you in charge for a reason. And Adam didn't stand up and be the man God called him to be. And you better learn from his mistake. Listen, we are to be men of God and to stand up and say what he should have said. He said, Satan, you better get away from my wife. You are not going to influence my wife into going into your pit of hell. This is my wife, and God placed me here to protect her, and by golly, I'm going to do it. Get out of here. What if Adam had done that? Learn from his mistakes. We blame jokingly, kind of, you know, Woman, woman to eat the fruit. Listen, man standing there, it says right there he was with her. He was standing there watching his wife go down a deep, dark hole. And he just stood there with his mouth shut. It's a wimp. Then the eyes of both of them, notice, were opened. And they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Three things we'll see about the fall. You're going to have to listen quick. Uh, but there's three things I want us to see about the fall. Number one is it was not God's will. It wasn't God's will at all. People, listen, 
Maybe you've said, maybe you've felt, and it all, again, remember, it all sounds good in and of itself, but compare it to God's word. Everything doesn't happen for, well, let me say, everything does happen for a reason, but it's not all part of God's plan. You, people say, oh, that's all part of God's plan. Bull malarkey. That's really good theology. That is bull malarkey. That is not true. That everything is not God's plan. Sin was never part of God's plan. God's plan, remember, as you read at the beginning of this, God placed man in the garden to live and subdue it and, and to live there forever in bliss and harmony. Sin messed all of that up. It was not God's will. 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. He didn't say, it doesn't say he placed him there so that his plan would play out and man would sin and live, live among the thorns for the rest of his life. It says he placed him there for a reason, to live in the garden of Eden. That's God's plan. Not the fall. Don't blame God. For the bad stuff. Listen, God's plan was obviously for mankind to live in the garden. He did not plan for us to live as we do now. God created garden to be our forever home. He knew what Adam and Eve would eventually do, of course. But it wasn't his desire for that to happen. We've got to quit blaming God for all the bad stuff that happens. Everything that occurs is not his will. It is not all part of his plan. Listen, God gave us free will, and we've been messing things up ever since. I'm going to give you a personal example. I, I try to be as open and honest and, and just <clears throat> transparent with you about my life. I'm not perfect by any means. That's what we're all here together is to, is to try to get better and closer to the Word and live our lives every day a little bit more uh, uh, like the Scripture. So, but let me back up and, and give you an example of how uh, it's not all part of God's plan. I was saved at eight years old. I knew at eight years old, I, I came down front and said the prayer. And, you know, there was some time I, I doubted that. And did I really know what I was doing? But there was a marked difference in my life from that moment. And I can take you back to that moment. And I, it is vivid in my mind. I can't tell you the date. But I can tell you it was in a sanctuary. And we had pews, of course, you know, on two lines. Every church had two lines of pews. And, and I, so I was sitting over here on this side. Uh, about where that, those empty chairs are at. And I remember we had, we had a, a guy named Leroy Hassler was there as an a, a evangelist preaching. And, and, and I, I felt a mighty call of God upon my life. And I, and, and I didn't understand all that. I couldn't articulate all that. But I can tell you, I came down front and I prayed. And I knew that day I, I gave my life to Christ. I said... As, as much as I, as an 18-year-old, I couldn't explain dispensationalism to you, but neither can you. But, so, but I did know that I, 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 I was in need of somebody to help me up. And, and I knew that even at eight, my heart was wretched. I, I, I felt that. I knew that. And I came and I gave my life to Christ. And I was different for some time. Then I went through a difficult time. and uh, We went through some difficult times in our family when being church, being pastor's family. There's some things that happened that, uh, from church wasn't exactly what the church should be and uh, was nasty and ugly, and, and I saw that, and, and I blamed God for his people. And I became bitter at God. And so I went through this period and time of rebellion, and um, I knew shortly after I was saved, though, 
that I was called to ministry. I remember going to Bible conferences with Dad and other preachers that would come from all over the world and, and, and teach and preach. And I remember sitting on the front row. Every time we go, I'd sit on the front row, and at 8, 9, 10 years old, I was taking notes. I didn't take notes in school, <laughs> but I was taking notes in church. You should too, by the way, and, and because it, it helped me process that, and I learned a lot from, from a very early age, and I knew God was preparing me for the ministry, and then I ran from it. I, I, have, uh, I probably can't even remember all the jobs I've had, <laughs> careers. I mean, I, I worked at, had, a, had a really good job at the railroad, uh, well, kind of good job at the railroad, and I, I left that. Um, I, I was a uh, general manager at uh, Applebee's, uh, which was completely crazy and out of the blue, but did very well, very, very successful there at that. Um, I, I was uh, uh, worked at the state as, a, as an investigator for the state of Georgia. I've been uh, a deputy sheriff in Sumter County, I've been assistant chief of police in Byron. Yeah, I can go on and on. Look, I, I have my own business, all this different stuff, and I was successful at all of them. And I'll be honest, it wasn't me. I think it was, I'll be honest, I think it was the devil helping me be successful because it, that helped me stay out of the pulpit. And then one day, <clears throat> we used to go to this conference that used to come around to First Baptist Church Woodstock. It's called the Real Evangelism Conference. Some of you in here have been with us, and we've, we've went, we used to go every year. And I enjoyed it. It was great music and all that, you know, preaching and all that stuff. And so, but, but I wasn't living my life according to Scripture, really. I was, I was, I was coming to church. And I was very, very faithful in church. And, and, and most people would have thought, you know, I, I, but I wasn't deep down in my heart. I wasn't doing the things God called me to do. And so we're sitting in there and the pastor or the, the evangelist is supposed to preach. They uninvite him just as he takes the stage. I don't know why. They found out something that they didn't feel good about. So they uninvited him just before he took stage. So the guy who's over the conference, who actually literally owns that conference, says, Look, I made the decision to pull him, so I'm going to step up and preach on the spur of a moment. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you, how would you feel if I came to you and said, there's, I don't know, 2,500 people in the room. Uh, I need you to go right now, take the stage and preach. How do you feel about that? Look, I, I don't care if you've been preaching 25 years. That's, to me, I, I would be like, well, no, no, I'm going to find somebody else. But he steps up, and he does. And here's what he says. He says, open your Bibles to Jonah 3.1. Okay. I ain't thinking about it. Open the Bible to Jonah 3.1. And he, and he reads it. He says, now y'all know the story of Jonah. God told him to go here, and he went over there. And God, God swallowed him. Uh, sent a big fish to swallow him, and he's in the belly of this whale and all this stuff. And so... So Jonah 3.1 says, And God came to Jonah a second time. And I'm telling you, it was like the lights went out in the room. Sound system shut off. And all the speakers came and got right in my ear. And God took the mic. And he said, Tim, I'm coming to you a second time. But there won't be a third. This is it. This is your last opportunity to be obedient to me. The invitation started. My heart was coming out of my chest. I came down front. I remember just crying uncontrollably. I remember I was embarrassed, thinking, God, I'm getting tears all over this altar. And Johnny Hunt was standing there. I'm like, he probably thinks I'm an idiot. And, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I was just 
pouring out in tears. And I remember thinking and certain things started coming through my mind and sins in my life. And I said, God, how can I do that? And, do, and, and you know, and all this, I don't know how you're going to make anything out of me. I've screwed up everything you gave me. And God said, let me handle that. I said, and so I laid there on that altar and I said, listen, I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord. I don't know how you're going to make beauty out of this mess, but I don't know how you're going to use me and I've made myself so unusable. But if you're willing, you still want me. I'm, 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 I'm willing. I've told people lots of times, there's been times in my life I've doubted my salvation. I struggled with it because I got saved so early. And I committed so early. And then, and, and mostly because I, I rebelled so hard. And then I said, how can anybody do that? But, but it was for a short period of time. And, and God one day stilled all that from me. He made it be still because he said, how do you really think, Tim, I would call someone? Well, let me back up. I've told lots of people, and this is, this is the truth. I've doubted my salvation, but I've never doubted my call. My call was so strong in my life. You see, I've been battled with it for so long, so often. It's made me weary that I know it's real because I felt the, the battle of that call in my life. And so <clears throat> I've never doubted my call, but I doubted my salvation. And then one day God just spoke to me and said, son, just shut up. And I, I'm, I really, that's how I heard him. I don't know if God really talks like that, you know. Probably don't, Kelly. Uh, Kelly can't stand that word. I'm sorry. But, you know, God just said, be quiet, Tim. I'm sure that's probably. And, and it wasn't an audible voice, but it was, it's like I've heard Dad say before, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was much louder than that in my ears. And he said, do you really think I would, you, you don't doubt your call. You know I've called you to, to be, a, be, a, be a pastor. So do you really think I would call an unsaved, unregenerate person to be a pastor and be the, the leader of my, ship, my sheep? Yeah, that don't make sense. <laughs> okay. And it was that simple. And I got up from that floor in my bedroom that day, wrestling with my salvation, just like cut off the faucet. I know what I did. Yeah. Okay, Lord. Why didn't you tell me that before? <laughs> you know, he probably did. I just wasn't listening. But here's the thing. <clears throat> what I, I say all that to say this. had lots of people try to make me feel better because I've, I've expressed that I carry a lot of guilt or I have carried a lot of guilt from losing 20 years of ministry, being a police and being railroad or being whatever. I've lost 20 years of ministry, being disobedient, that I can never get back. And, I, and, and a burden of how many people could I've, I have witnessed to and shared the gospel with and helped live a more spiritual, godly life that I can never go back to now. And here's on the flip side. How many did I lead away in my time of rebellion? And I have people all the time say, no, Tim, don't worry about that. That was God's will. That's God's plan for your life. Think about now how you can minister to police officers, how you can minister you know, to restaurant workers, how you can minister to, to all them. No, no, no. That is sin. 
That's the devil trying to say, oh, well, sin is God's plan. No, God's plan was for me to come down that aisle, give my life to Christ, get up as an eight-year-old, study his word, prepare diligently, go straight from high school into college, into seminary, and, and, and then begin ministering his gospel to the people. That was his plan. I messed that up. Now, he can take what I messed up and make it beautiful. And that's what he's doing. He's taking all of my rebellion and he's get, using it to give me opportunities to share the gospel. But listen, I would have had much more better opportunities had I not messed it up. The fall was not God's will. Your sin is not his will. The bad things that have happened in your life is not his will. We live in a fallen world that's full of sin. <laughs> And because of that, we're going to have bad things happen. We're going to make bad decisions this, that messes things up in our life. That's, that's part of the fall. Second thing we see about the fall is that there are consequences to it. Make no mistake about it. There are consequences to the fall. Uh, when, when mankind fell, it set things in motion. Think about this for a moment. Think about it. You ever seen one of those big sets of dominoes? Got like thousands of dominoes lined up and they... Just touch one, and what happens? They all go falling, you know, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. They're, all, they're, they're going. So that, think about that is what the fall was like. It set things in motion, and they're going to continue until the end. Uh, we can justify our sin, argue our case, complain about it, and convince others that it isn't sin, all but we cannot change the fact that it is sin. And it will have consequences. Adam and Eve, sin cost us. Read, look over at Genesis 3, 8 through 22 real quick. Here's the consequences, and then, and then, and then we're going to get to the end. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Now listen, this is one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. Get this. Get this. Watch. Adam and Eve heard the physical footsteps of God. Now, now listen, if they can live in such communion with the holy creator of all of the universe that they can hear his footsteps coming and they sin, what chance do you and I have of beating it? Don't think too highly of yourself or your strength of how great you are. Listen, Adam and Eve lived, walked and talked physically in the garden with the almighty creator. They didn't have the internet to give them temptations. They didn't have the television to give them temptations. They didn't have a hundred co-workers. They had one serpent and a holy God, and they failed. And watch the consequences. Verse 9, so the Lord God called out to the man and, and, and among the trees of the garden said, so the Lord God called out to the man, excuse me, and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Then he asked, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Now, obviously God knew that. So often God will ask you questions to get you to focus on, see your own sin, not so that he gets the information. So watch. The man replied, the woman you gave me. Huh, you get that? He's blaming the woman, right? No. 
He's blaming God. He said, the woman you gave me. In other words, she messed up, but if you hadn't gave her to me, I'd have been fine out here by myself. You know, you, God, this is your fault. It's, it's not going to end there. Watch. So the, um, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So the Lord God asked the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. It's not my fault. And I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed, so forth. He, he goes on. Let's, let's skip down for the sake of time. He said to the woman um, in verse 16, he said to the woman, I would intensify your labor pains. Ladies, what do you say to Eve now? I will intensify your labor pains, and you will bear children with painful effort. See, that tells me they were going to have children anyway. They were going to bear children. He says, I'm going to intensify your labor pains, like, and, and, and you're going to bear children with painful effort. In other words, they were going to have children. Now it's going to hurt. Your desire will, watch, your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. You hear something there? It's going to be some strife between man and woman in a marital relationship. It's, listen, if you're in this room and you're upset because y'all are having trouble, listen, it's part of the fall. It's part of the fall. Verse 17, And he said to the man, Because you've listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat from... The plants of the field, you will eat the bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground. In other words, you're going to die. You're going to return to the, see, until. Now, because you've eaten that fruit, you're going to die. That death is a part of the fall. It is an invader upon humanity. God did not design for us to die. But because of, God said, if you eat this, you're going to die. Duh, why are we so shocked? You know, it's. Quit listening to the world. Listen to the word of God. Um, look, there's consequences to sin. You can choose. Go, let's go back in your mind to this conversation when Satan first comes, or the, snake, the serpent first comes to Eve. And he says, did God really say that? Listen, what are you questioning right now in your life? Did God really say that? Did God really say I can't have this or do that or go there or whatever, say this? Did God really say that? Does God really mean I have to do this or I can't do Listen, that's Satan in your, in your ear saying, oh, God, question the word, question the word. If he can get you to question this scripture, he can, he can bring you to the ground. And he will every last time. Listen, the last thing we see about the fall is it led to the law. We didn't need the law before the fall. There was no need for all that. There was, there was a rule. Don't eat this of this tree. That's it. Think about this. What if all, all you, you and I had to focus on today was one rule in our life? Just don't eat of this tree. Here is, uh, this is so clear of how we, humanity, of how broken we are. We have one rule. And we couldn't follow it. You know, it reminds me of that meme you, you seen go around. You had one job, Eve. Eve, you had Adam. You had one job, 
and you couldn't do it. Now, because of the fall, because we now live in a fallen world, now there's thorns and there's thistles all around us. Keep in mind, now we need all these other rules to keep us protected. Here, here's what I want you to see. The law is not punishment. The law is protection, literally. Let's say uh, you have a toddler, three-year-old boy. Y'all are walking through the mall, and there, you, you see this store, and it's all like stuffed animals. We're going to go in there and see all the stuffed animals. You know, be careful. Don't throw stuff around. Don't, don't get us locked up. Don't, you know... You know, that kind of stuff. Just, But, you know, have fun. You know, you can touch them a little bit. Keep your hands to yourself mostly. But they're, they're stuffed animals. What's going to happen, right? So, so you leave there and you go into the next door. There's a pet shop. This particular pet shop is cage-free. <laughs> you know, we, we'll be free. We don't want to, you know, cause any animals any stress by allowing them to be in a pen. So snakes are just like everywhere. You know, there's dogs running everywhere. There's, you know, and oh, by the way, we sell guns and knives too. You know, they're over here in this section. And they're just, we, you know, they're free too. We don't want to, you know, constrain them. So, you know, yeah, your three-year-old's pulling you into this, and you don't have the option to avoid that, that, that uh, particular store. What, what's the difference in the rules for your child going into that store as they would have been in the teddy bear store? They're going to be significantly more, Right? Why? Because there's significantly more dangers. Here's what's happened. Here's why the law occurs. It's because now we're kicked out of the garden. Go back and read it. He put man out of the garden. He set some big angels there, you know, like the rock, you know, is sitting there and he garden it. You can't come in no more. And so now we are here with all of these dangers among us. Sin. Sin is rampant. It's everywhere we go. Evil is all around us. So God says, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. Stay away from this. Stay away from this. It's all rules meant to protect Protect us from petting the snake that's going to bite us. So listen, if you're here this morning and you're angry at God because of this tells you you can't do what you want to do, listen, it is not to, to tell you, it's, it's so you don't get bit. It's designed for your love, to love you and to say, look, stay away from this stuff. God said, I gave you one rule. You didn't handle that. Now you got to handle all these other ones. Listen. When we look at the law, read the law, all the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, and the Sermon on the Mount. Go read all of that. All of that points to our need for Jesus. The law shows us how badly we need Jesus because we can't keep all of that. We can't be good enough to get into heaven. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Think about this. <clears throat> so many people say, well... Uh, so what do you, what, if you're standing before God today, what would, it, what would you say to him why you should come into heaven? Well, you know, I haven't, I haven't done this and I haven't done that. You know, people, people typically say, yeah, I never killed anybody. That's the common, you know, I never killed anybody. Well, if that's the standard, you know, <laughs> heaven's going to be full, right? You know, I never killed anybody. I, you know, so think about this for a moment. I remember years ago, Nathan or Rose Warnock, uh, some of you may know Nathan Warnock, uh, it was Christmas time. Rose had her purse stolen, 
And uh, the thieves took her credit cards and was just going buying stuff. It was Christmas time. And she, they were buying stuff. So um, Nathan gets on the phone. He calls the credit card company and says, hey, you know, this is the bank. And say, hey, this will happen. They say, yeah, we noticed all this activity. We're going to cut the cards off. He says, no, 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 no. They said, what? Don't cut the cards off. Why? Have you seen my wife's spending habits? These thieves saving me money. <laughs> if she had the card, she'd be spending a lot more than they're spending. You know right? He was kind of kidding. Think about this for a moment. Here's a scenario. Somebody steals your credit card. And, 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 they're, and they're spending thousands of money, thousands of dollars. They go before the court. They're standing before the judge. You're in the room. And, and, and the judge says, hey, are you guilty or not guilty? They say, uh, well, you know, I did it, but. What do you mean you did it? But I don't think I should be charged with it. I don't think I should have any penalty for it. So why? Because, you know, I didn't burn his house down. What? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't burn his house down. I could have burned his house down. I didn't. I just took his credit cards. So, I, you know, you really should let me go. What are you talking about? Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't murder his wife. Well, I could have. I didn't molest his children. See, that's what we all bring up. I didn't steal his car. I, I, didn't, I didn't harm him physically. I could have done all these other things. All I did is, you know, use his money. So you should let me go. Would you stand up and interject and say, whoa, wait a minute. Does that sound fair to you? Isn't that exactly what you do, though, when you go to a holy God and say, God, you should have let me do this because I didn't do that? Makes absolutely no sense. You can't break part of the law and be clean. Jesus said, Jesus is the standard. The only way to salvation is through him. See, the only way we're going to get salvation is to stand before the God and say, yeah, I broke the law, but he paid for it. Here's this morning. Just stand. We're about to sing. You must... Allow Jesus to pay for it on this side of heaven. You can't wait till you get to court to hire Jesus to be your attorney. You got to do it going in. Today, you have to say, look, God, I want, I want, today, are you willing to today to come down forward? Listen, there is no such thing as a work salvation. Okay, that is a false, it's a false teaching. But listen, are you willing, it's part, works is part of salvation. It's, it's the results that come from it. Are you willing today to come down forward and say, I'm willing to follow this scripture with all of my heart, even when I don't like it. I'm willing to today to say, I'm, I'm placing my trust in Jesus to get me there. Jesus has got to get me to heaven. Because you can't. Maybe this morning you need to come and just pour your heart out to him about Lent or what, ask him what he would have you give up for the next for the, uh, up until Easter you missed part of it but that's alright get on board now Easter's I mean Lent is for 46 days there's six Sundays so we don't count that you don't you don't um, fast during those days but for the other 40 days will you fast from something in order to focus on your sin so that you can ask for forgiveness for it and be in a better relationship with the Lord will you just come this morning and say, I just want to give my heart to the Lord. I just want to be His follower for the rest of my days. It's going to be men at both ends of the, both heads of this aisle. 
don't tarry because we're not going to have a long invitation unless, unless we need it. When we sing this song, I ask that you move quickly and respond however God's leading you this morning as we sing.